welcome everyone to this live podcast on Twitch, where you can find the news from the research industry that how our researchers keep on researching on various topics and domains to keep our lifestyle better, of course. And yes, this article posted on our website named postscientist.com. If you are willing to check it out, please check it out. Otherwise, listening to this podcast will be enough for you guys as it acts like an archive on the daily basis providing you the information from the research industry. So let's get started without wasting any further time. The first topic of the day. Researchers investigate batteries without critical raw materials. The market for rechargeable battery is growing rapidly, but the necessary raw materials are limited. Sodium ion battery, for example, could offer an alternative. A joint research group from HZB and Humboldt Universität ZU Berlin has investigated new combination of electrolyte solutions and electrode materials for this purpose. In contrast with two lithium-ion batteries, which are based on the storage of lithium ions in the positive-negative electrode of the battery, we are working on the one hand with sodium ions as they also occur in cheap table salt. On the other hand, we store the sodium ion stored together with their solvent shell. This makes it possible to realize completely new storage reactions, explains Professor Philip Edhelm, who heads the research group Operando Battery Analysis, which are jointly founded by Humboldt University at and Humboldt's Zentrum Berlin in 2020. The storage of ions when accompanied by their solvation cell in a crystal lattice is referred to as co-intercalation. Up to this point, this concept was limited to the negative electrode of the sodium and battery. Now the researcher around Endelment have succeeded in extending the concept to the positive electrode of the battery. Dr. Gulam A. Federer first order of the publication explains with titanium disulfide and graphite we have for the first time combined two materials they observe and release the same solvent during charging and discharging of the battery the scientists could observe changes in the material during charging and discharging via operando measurement performed in the xray x-ray code lab at hzb on the Limax 160. This helped them to assign the co-intercalation mechanism inside the battery. They could then use this new knowledge to realize a battery with two electrodes that both rely on reversible co-intercalation of solvent molecules. We are still in the early stages of understanding the implication of the co-intercalation batteries, but there are a few possible advantages we can envision. Dr. Catherine A. Mizio at ZB explained, the process of co-intercalation could improve upon efficiency by enabling better low temperature performance. It could also be utilized to improve upon alternative cell concepts such as using multivalent ions instead of lithium plus and sodium plus ions storage data particularly sensitive to the solvation cell the research was published in advanced energy materials so i mean it's an investigates on the battery itself whose discharging and discharging will be very valuable in those battery systems and in the solvation uh, cells so it's been uh, useful in ma- various applications like in of course in lithium ion batteries and many other battery which is y- used in same solvent and dissolving uh, things so yep let's get uh, let's get into into another into another topic of the day
it's going to win an ai topic so more who are into ai things and artificial and machine learning projects it's uh it's an article for you guys how ai make generators could help robots okay let's see AI make generators which create fantastical sights at the interaction of dreams and reality bumble up on every corner of the web their entertainment value is demonstrated by an every ever expanding treasure trove of whimsic whimsical and random images serving as indirect portals to the brain of human designers a simple touch from reveals a nearly instantaneous image satisfying our primitive brains which are hardwired for instant gratification all the similarities in the field of ai generated art can be traced back as far as the 1960s with early attempts using symbolic rule based approaches to make technical images while the progression of moral that untangle and parse words has gained increasing sophistication the explosion of generator has sparked debate around copyright disinformation biases all marred in hype and controversy Gillian Dew, a PhD student in the Department of Electrical Engineering and Computer Science and affiliate of MIT Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratories, CSAIL, recently developed a new method to, that makes models like Dell E2. It's an, basically a project available in many uh, websites and used in many machine learning projects and AI uh, projects. So, yep. more creative and have more better scene it's in uh, this project is more uh, more advanced than this project which uh, he is giving example of it have better scene understanding here do you describe how this model work okay whether this technical infrastructure can be applied to other domains and how we draw the line between ai and human creativity okay great question mark ai generated images use something called stable diffusion models to turn words into astounding images in just a few months but for every image used there's usually a human behind it so what's the line between ai and human creativity how do this model really work okay imagine all the images you could get on google search and their associate pattern this is the dirt these models are fed on they are trained on all of these images and their caption to generate images similar to the billion of images it has seen on the internet let's say a model has seen a lot of dog photos it's trained so that when it gets similar test input prompt like dog it's able to generate a photo that's look very similar to many dog pictures already seen now more methodologically how this all works dates back to a very old class of models called energy based models originating in the 70s or 80s in energy based models an energy landscape over over images is constructed which is used to simulate the physical dissipation to generate images when you drop a dot of ink into water and it's dissipates for example at the end you just get this uniform texture but if you try to re- reverse this process of dissipation you gradually get the original ink dot in the water again or let's say you have this very intricate block tower and if you hit with a ball it collapses into a pile of blocks This file of log is then very disordered and there's not really much structure to it to re suscitate the tire the tower you can try to reverse this folding process to generate your original pile of logs the way this generative model generate images is in is in a very 
similar manner where initially you have this really nice image where you start from this random noise and you basically learn how to simulate the process of how to reverse this process of going from noise back to your original image where you try to interactively refine this image to make it more and more realistic in terms of what lines between AI and human creativity, you can say that these models are really trained on the creativity of people. The internet has all types of paintings and images that people have already created in the past. These models are trained to recapitulate and generate the images that have been on the internet. As a result, these models are more like crystallization of what people have seen creativity on for hundreds of years. At the same time, because these models are trained on what humans have designed, they can generate very similar pieces of art to what humans have done in the past. They can find patterns in art that people have made, but it's much harder for these models to actually generate creative photons on their own. If you try to enter a prompt like abstract art or unique art or the like, it doesn't really understand the creativity aspects of human art. The models are rather recapitulating what people have done in the past, so to speak, as opposed to generating fundamentally new and creative art. Since these models are trained on vast swaths of images from the internet, a lot of these images are likely copyrighted. You don't exactly know what the model is retrieving when it's generating new images, so there is a big question of how you e can even determine if the model is using copyrighted images. If the model depends, in some sense, on some copyrighted images, are then those new images copyrighted? That's another question to address. Do you believe images generated by diffusion models encode some sort of understanding about natural or physical words? either dynamically or geometrically are these efforts toward teaching image generators the basis of the universe that babies learn so early on oh okay i mean it's uh, more likely a model a machine learning model and it's also an uh, understanding uh, that how we can uh, understand the basics of the universe that why the babies are learn so early so i mean it's a great for everyone and i mean it's like an ai topic in the machine learning topic and the neuroscience topics so great man do they understand in code some class of natural and physical words i think definitely if you ask a model to generate a stable configuration of blocks it definitely generates a block configuration that's stable if you tell it generate an unstable configuration of blocks it does look very unstable or if you say a tree next to a lake it's roughly able to generate it in a sense it seems like this model have captured a large aspect of common sense but the issue that makes us still a very far away from truly understanding the natural and physical world is that when you try to generate infrequent combination of words that you or I in our working our minds can very easily imagine these models cannot for example if you say put a fork on top of a plate that happens all the time if you ask the model to generate this it easily can if you say put a plate on top of a fork Again, it's very easy to, for us to imagine what this would look like. But if you put this into any of these large models, you will never get a plate on top of a fork. You instead get a fork on top of a plate. Since the models are learning to recapitulate all the images it's being trained on, it can't really generalize that well to combination of words it hasn't seen. A fairly well-known example is an astronaut riding a horse which the models can do with ease but if you say a horse riding an astronaut it still generate a person riding a horse. Okay, It seems like these models are capturing a lot of correlation in the data set they are trained on. 
but they are not actually capturing the underlying casual mechanism of the world another example that commonly used is if you get very complicated tense description like one object to the right of another one the third object in the front and a third or fourth one flying it's really is only is only able to satisfy maybe one or more one or two of the objects this could be partially because on their training data as it's rare to have very complicated passion captions but it could also suggest that these models aren't very structured you can imagine that if you get a very complicated natural language prompts there's no manner in which the model can accurately represent all the component details okay question mark you recently came up with a new m- method that use uses multiple models to create more complex images with better understanding of our generative art are the potential application of this framework outside of image or text domains okay let's see answer we are really inspired by one of the limitation of these models when you give these models very complicated scene descriptions they aren't actually able to correctly generate the images that match them of course man i mean we already have done a previous article in which they have shown clearly shown that if we are uh, doing an image like a simple cat or it's being identified as a cat uh, by the uh, by the machine but it's not a cat it's a image of a horse so uh, it's totally rely on the keyword itself it's totally rely on the structured uh, where machine can actually identify which is this really object is but it still shows the same uh, result from the uh, database of course so i mean it's been very difficult uh, sometimes and struggles for the uh, for any of this uh, data model and structures so i mean okay no problem if you are get uh, sorry guys i mean Okay, let's read it again. One thought is since it's a single model with a fixed computation graph, yes, meaning you uh, can only use a fixed amount of computation to generate an image. If you get an extremely complicated prompt, there's no way that you can use more com- computational power to generate that image. Okay? If I gave a human description of a scene that was say 100 lines long versus a scene that one lifelong a human artist can spend much longer on the former these models don't really have the sensibility to do this we propose that that given very complicated prompts you can actually compose many different independent models together and have each individual model represent a portion of the scene you want to describe we find that these enables our model to generate more complicated scenes or those that more accurately generate different aspects of the scene together in addition this approach can be generally applied across a variety of different domains while image generation is likely the most currently successful application generative models have actually been seeing all types of application in a variety of domains You can use them to generate different diverse robot behavior, synthesize 3D shapes, enable better scene understanding, or design new material. You could potentially compose multiple discard factors to generate the exact material you need for a particular application. One thing we have been very interested in is robotics. In the same way that you can generate different images, you can also generate different robot trajectories the path and the schedule and by composing different models together you are able to generate trajectories with different combination of cells if i have natural language specification of jumping versus avoiding an obstacle you could also compose these models together and then generate robot trajectory that can both jump and avoid an obstacle okay okay in a similar manner if If we want to design proteins we can specify different function or experts in an analogous manner to how we can use language to specify the content of the images with language like description 
such as the type of functionality of the protein. We could then compose these together to generate new proteins that can potentially satisfy all of these given functions. We have also explored using diffusion models on 3D shape generation where you can use this approach to generate and design 3D asset normally 3D asset design is very complicated and laborious process. By composing different models together it's become much easier to generate shapes such as I want a 3D shape with four legs with the soil and height potentially automating portion of 3D asset design. Okay. Great. Okay. Fine. Moving on towards next topic. I mean, these are the challenges and complications given by our the authors on this how AI generates images by simply uh, writing the text or putting an input and giving you the output in the ima image form. So, okay. No, uh, never mind. Moving on towards next topic, novel thin and flexible sensor characterize high-speed airflows on curved surfaces. Okay, the energy and transportation sector often make use of different kinds of fluid machinery, including pumps, turbines, and aircraft engines, all of which entail a high carbon footprint. This results mainly from inefficiency in the fluid machinery caused by flow separation around curved surfaces, which are typically quite complex in nature. To improve the efficiency of fluid machinery, one therefore needs to characterize near wall flow on the curved surface to suppress this flow separation. The challenge in accomplishing this is multifold. First, conventional flow sensors are not flexible enough to fit into the curve walls of fluid machinery. Second, existing flexible sensors suitable for curved surface cannot detect the fluid angle direction of flow. Moreover, these sensors are limited to only detecting flow separation at speed less than 30 uh, meter per second. In a new study, Professor Mashiro Matsuko from the Tokyo University of Science, TUS in Japan, and his colleague, Mr. Koichi Murakami, Dr. Daiki Shirashi, Dr. Yoshiyasu Ichikawa from TUS in collaboration with Mitsubishi Heavy Industries Japan and Iwate University, Iwate University Japan took on this challenge. As Professor Motsuku states, sensing the shear stress and its direction on curved surfaces where flow separation easily occurs has been difficult to achieve in particular without using a novel technique. Okay. This work was published in Micro Machines. The team in the study developed a polymide, this thin film based flexible flow sensor that can be easily installed on curved surface without disturbing the surrounding airflow, a key requirement for efficient measurement to enable this sensor was based on microelectromechanical system MEMS technology. Moreover, the novel design allowed multiple sensors to be integrated for simultaneous measurements of the wall shear stress and flow angle on the surface of the wall. To measure the shear stress on the walls, the sensor measured the heat loss from a micro heater while the flow angle was estimated using an array of six temperature sensors around the heater that facilitated multi-direction measurement. The team conducted numerical simulation of the airflow to optimize the geometry of the third of the heaters and sensor arrays. Using a high-speed airflow tunnel as the testing environment, the team achieved effective flow measurement with wide range of airflow speeds from 30 to 170 m per second. The developed sensor demonstrated both high flexibility and scalability. The circuits around the sensor can be pulled out using a flexible printed circuit board and installed in a different location so that only a thin sheet is attached to the measurement target, minimizing the effect on the surrounding flow. Says Professor Motsuke, the team estimated the heat output to a 
vary as one third power of the wall shares while the sensor output computing the temperature differences between two oppositely placed sensor demonstrated a peculiar sinusoidal oscillation as the flow angle was changed the developed sensor has the potential for a wide range of application in industrial scale fluid machinery that often involve complex flow separation around three dimensional surfaces moreover the complex the working principle used to develop this sensor can be extended beyond high speed subsonic air flows although this sensor is designed for fast air flows we are currently developing sensor that measures liquid fluid and can be attached to a human based on the same principle such thin and flexible flow sensor can open up many possibilities says professor mutsuke taken together the novel mems sensors could be a game changer in the development of efficient fluid machineries with reduced detrimental effects on an environment moving on to our next topic electrons with planckian scattering in strange metals follow standard rules of orbital motion in a magnet okay let's see strange metals or non fermi liquids are the strange shades of matter that have been observed in different quantum materials including cuprate superconductors these shades are characterized by unused conductive properties such as a resistivity that is linearly associated with temperature t linear in the stra- strange metal phase of matter electrons undergo what is known as planckian dissipation a high scattering rate that linearly increases at the temperature rises this t linear strong electron scattering is ano ano milios of four metals which typically present quadratic temperature dependence t2 as predicted by the standard theory of metals researcher at university at the sherbrook in canada laboratory national dust champs magnetos intense intenses in france and other institutes worldwide have recently carried out a study exploring the possibility and the resistivity of strange metals is not only associated with temperature but also with an applied magnetic field this magnetic field linearity had been previously observed in some cuprates and planktides with some physicists suggesting that it could also be also be linked to planckian dissipation the researcher carried out their experiment on two specific cuprate strange metal namely nd0.4 la1.6 x xrx cu04 and la2 x oh SRXU04 it's an uh, configuration of the uh, chemical uh, combination so yes the finding published in nature physics suggests that the resistivity of these two strange metals is con- consistent with the prediction of the standard boltzmann theory of electron motion in a magnetic field in all ways highlighting no anomaly associated with planckian dissipation we wanted to investigate the field dependence of planckian scattering rate in the strange metal phase of cuprate superconductor in particular in ndlsco that its scattering rate was previously measured with angle dependence magneto resistance adm or experiments Emerson et al one of the researchers who carried out the study told physics.org in this material due to a relatively low critical temperature tc we had access to one of the largest measured ranges of b linear resistivity and were able to reproduce the magno magnetro resistance over this magnetic field range using the standard boltzmann theory 
A key objective of the recent work by et al. and his colleagues was to determine whether the in-plane magnetoresistance in, in the strange metal phase of namely ND 0.4, LA1.6X, SRX, CUO4 and LA2X, SRX, CUO4 was anonymous in existence where the magnetic field and electric current were in parallel. Ultimately, the measurement the collector suggests that it was not. We expect our finding to have a big impact in the field of Planckian dissipation, a major mystery in condensed matter physics with intriguing connection to the physics of black holes. Okay, Atai explained. We showed that the any enigmatic phenomena is insensitive to the magnetic field up to uh, 85T, one of the highest achievable magnetic fields in the world. Overall, the result gathered by the team, by this team of researchers, would seem to challenge the hypothesis that the linear dependence of resistivity on a magnetic field observed in some strange metals is associated with Planckian dissipation. In contrast, their experimental data suggests that Planckian dissipation is only anomalous in its temperature dependence, while its field dependence is aligned with standard theoretical predictions. We now plan to extend the scope of the result to different quantum materials in the strange metal phase or in its proximity, Atai added. Moving on towards next topic. An, <coughs> an automated system to clean restrooms in convenience stores. Okay, let's see. <coughs> Researchers <coughs> Researchers Researchers at Tokyo Metropolitan University have created a robotic system that could automate the cleaning of restrooms in convenience stores and other public spaces. This system introduced in a paper published in Advanced Robotics will be competing in the future convenience store challenge FCSC at the World Robot Summit WRS, a competition for state-of-the-art technologies to automate convenience stores. Many convenience stores provide restroom for customers and restroom cleaning is an essential of the businesses. Kazu Yoshiwada, one of the researchers who developed the system, told Tech Explore, while restroom cleaning is necessary for sanitary purposes, it involves mental and physical hard work. Cloaks are often inappropriate for cleaning toilets in convenience stores and maintaining consistent cleanliness levels in difficult because of the different perception of cleanliness among clerks. The WRS established the FCSC competition to encourage the development of new technologies that could enhance efficiency in convenience stores, robotic systems that can autonomously clean restrooms and toilets could particularly help to improve hygiene while simplifying the work of shop clerks and convenience store cleaners. Our system will compete in the FCSC with a view to applying it in real settings in the future, Wada said. The system consists of a toilet bowl, top surface of cleaning mechanism, a toilet bowl, lifting mechanism and a restroom floor cleaning robot by robotizing the restroom space itself, the system aimed to streamline the cleaning operation and achieve accurate cleaning in a short time, less than 20 seconds. While the researcher system is cleaning a restroom, 
toilet bowls are automatically raised and a floor cleaning mechanism stored behind the wall moves to the area in front of the toilets subsequently a cleaning tool with water absorbing sheets is deployed and starts wiping the floor and sides of the toilet bowl will while simultaneously collecting our garbage on the floor as the cleaning tool cleans the floor a device will build into the back of the toilet seat cleans the toilet rim the most unique feature of this system is that it uses a mechanism that allows the toilet bowl to be raised or lowered what as it the toilet bowl is lifted to the height of a man crouch to reduce the scattering of urine and create space of floor cleaning Wada and his colleagues tested their system in a series of experiments where it was expected to clean fake urine and garbage they found that it performed remarkably well completing individual cleaning tasks in approximately 17 seconds and removing 97.8% of the urine like liquid In the future the researcher hoped that their system will be commercialized and implemented in real convenience convenience stores in addition the toilet bowl lifting mechanism the design could inspire the creation of similar restroom cleaning systems we believe that our work could lead to our uh, to the development of a new market for toilet spaces with cleaning system what as it in our current system the cleaning equipment is replaced with every cleaning which is unrealistic for actual store use to address this issue we can now we now plan to implement a function that allows cleaning equipment to be cleaned each time or replaced with a new one in the future so these are the things these are the studies uh, being automated on those uh, restrooms i mean okay man great it's uh, basically providing you more comfort in your own life regarding uh, regarding your daily routine so okay never mind moving on to our next topic it's not like an research or findings which being more interesting for many of the researcher and scientists it's like for the normal people for the normal uh, daily life tasks so okay never mind moving on to our next topic light analyzing lab on a chip open stored to widespread use of portable spectrometers okay scientists including an oregon state university materials researchers have developed a better tool to measure light contributing to a field known as optical spectrome- spectrometry in a way that could improve everything from smartphone cameras to environmental monitoring The study published today in Science was led by Finland Aalto University and resulted in a powerful ultra tiny spectrometer that fits on a microchip and is operated using artificial intelligence. Okay. The research involved a comparatively new class of super thin materials known as two dimensional semiconductors and the upshot is a proof of concept for a spectrometer that could readily incorporated into a variety of technologies including quality inception platforms security sensors biomedical analyzers and space telescopes we have demonstrated a way of building spectrometer that are far more miniature than what is typically used today said Ethan Minot professor of physics in the OSU College of Science spectrometer measure the strength of light at different wavelengths and are very useful super useful in lots of industry and all fields of science for identifying samples and characterizing materials traditional spectrometers required bulky optical and mechanical components whereas the new device could fit on the end of a human hair minot said the new research suggests those components can be replaced with novel semiconductor material and air allowing spectrometers to be dramatically scaled down in size from the current smallest ones which are about the size of a grape 
A spectrometer doesn't require assembling separate optical and mechanical components or array design to disperse and filter light, said Hung Hang Gyun, who led the study with Alton University colleague Zingpi Zun Sun Yu. Moreover, it can achieve a high resolution comparable to desktop system but in a much smaller package. The device is 100% electrical controllable regarding the colors of light it observes, which gives it massive potential for scalability and widespread usability. The researcher says, integrating it directly into portable devices such as smartphones and drones could advance our daily lives, Yoon said. Imagine that the next generation of our smartphone cameras could be hyperspectral cameras. Oh, okay. Those hyperspectral cameras could capture and analyze information not just from visible wavelengths but also allow for infrared imaging and analysis. It's exciting that our spectrometer opens up possibility for all sorts of new everyday gadgets and instruments to do new science as well, Minot said. In medicine, for example, spectrometers are already being tested for their ability to identify subtle changes in human tissue, such as the difference between tumors and healthy tissue. For environmental monitoring, Minot added, spectrometer can detect exactly what kind of pollution is in the air, in the air, water or ground, and how much of it is there. It would be nice to have low-cost portable spectrometers doing this work for us, he said, and as the educational setting, the hands-on teaching of science concept would be more effective with inexpensive uh, compact spectrometers. Applications uh, abound as well, for, as well as for science-oriented hobbyists, Minot said. If you are into astronomy, you might be interested in measuring the spectrum of light that you collect with your telescope and having the information identify a star or a planet. He said, if uh, geology in your hobby, you could identify gemstones by measuring the spectrum of light they observe. Minot thinks that as work very two-dimensional semiconductor progresses we will rapidly discover new ways to use their novel optical and electronic properties. Research into 2D semiconductors has been going on in earnest for only a dozen years, starting with the study of graphene carbon arranged in a honeycomb lattice with a thickness of one atom. It's really exciting, Minot added. I believe we uh, will continue to have interesting breakthroughs by studying two-dimensional semiconductors. In addition to Minot, Yun and Sun, and the collaboration included scientists from Shanghai Jiangtong University, Xiaojiang University, Xiongchen University, Yonsei University, and University of Cambridge, as well as other researchers from Alto University. <laughs> Moving on towards next topic. I mean, it's a uh, no, it's being used in many applications and especially like he's telling about the hy hyperspectral cameras and in various gadgets of course and in design itself because it's being on the chip, on the spectrometer, on the capturing the images, capturing the uh, yes, cap uh, capturing the images of various applications so I mean it's being used in various applications and our mobile phones in our in satellites wherever the camera is is going to be used more uh, in those gadgets so yep moving on towards next topic heat waves driven by climate change have caused global economy trillions since the 1990s okay okay Massive economic losses due to sweltering temperature brought on by human-caused climate change are not just uh, a problem 
for the distant future, a study in the general science advances has found that more severe heat waves resulting from global warming have already cost the world economic trillions of dollars since the early 1990s, with the world purest and lowest carbon-emitting nations suffering the most. Dartmouth College researchers combined newly available in-depth economic data for the region worldwide with average temperature for the hottest five day period commonly used measurement of heat intensity for each region in each year they found that from 1992 to 2013 heat waves characteristically coincided with variation in economic growth that an estimated 16 16 trillion dollars was lost to the effects of high temperature of on human health productivity and agriculture output <laughs> of course man i mean it's a study is been uh, telling you guys that how it's going to affects uh, how heat waves uh, have driven most of the climate change and many other things so yep the findings stress the immediate needs for policy and technology that protect people during the hottest days of the year particularly in the world warmest most economically vulnerable nation, the researcher reports. The accelerating adaption measuring within the hottest period of each year would deliver economic benefits now, said first author Christopher Callan, a doctoral candidate in the geography at Dartmouth. The amount of money spent on adaptation measuring should not be assessed just on the price tag of the those measures, but relative to the cost of doing nothing our research identify a substantial price tag to not doing anything okay okay the study is among the first to specifically examine how heat waves affect economic output said senior author justin Mankin, an assistant professor of geography dartmouth no one has shown an independent fingerprint for extreme heat and the intensity of the heat impact on economic growth. The true cost of climate change are far higher than we have calculated so far, Mankin said. Our work showed that no place is well adapted to our climate change, to our current climate, Mankin said. The region with the lowest income globally are the ones that suffered most of from these extreme heat events as climate change increases the magnitude of extreme heat it's a fair expectation that the uh, those costs will continue to accumulate climate model and previous research have included heat waves among other extreme events resulting from climate change such as more frequent flooding and greater storm intensity callan said but heat waves have a unique signature he said they occurred on shorter timescales than roads and the temperature of the hottest days of the year are projected to increase much quicker than the global average temperature as human activity continues to drive climate change. Heat waves are one of the most direct and tangible effects of climate change that people feel yet they have not been fully integrated into our assessment of what climate change has caused and will cause in the future. Callan said, we live in a world that has already been altered by greenhouse gas emission. I think our research helps demonstrate that. The study result underscored the issue of climate justice and inequality, Mankin and Callan said, the economic cause of extreme heat as well as the expense of adaptation have been and will be disproportionately borne by the world's poorest nation in the tropics and the global south. Most of these countries have contributed the least to climate change. The researcher found that while economic losses due to extreme heat events average 1.5% of gross domestic product GDP per capita for the world wealthiest regions low income regions suffered a loss of 6.7% of gdp per capita furthermore the study revealed that to a certain point wealthy sub sub national regions in europe and north america which are among the world biggest carbon emitters could th- 
theoretically benefit economically by having periods of warmer days. We have a situation where the people causing global warming and changes in extreme heat have more resources to be resilient to those changes and in some rare cases could benefit from it, Mencken said. It's a massive international wealth transfer from the poorest countries in the world to the richest country in the world through climate change and that transfer needs to be reversed. In July, Mankin and Kellen published a paper in the journal Climate Change that access or the economic damages in individual countries have caused to others by their uh, contribution to climate warming. The study presented the scientific basis nations needed to access their legal standing for claiming economic damages due to emission and warming. In this latest publication, Mankin and Kellen indicate that the world principal emitters should foot should foot large portion of the bill for adapting to extreme heat events in addition to helping low-income nations develop low-emission economies in the global economy. Sharing the cost of adaptation measures would benefit wealthy and developing nations alike, Mankin said. Almost no country on earth has benefited from the extreme heat that has occurred, Mankin said. Global events like the COVID-19 pandemic have revealed the close interconnectedness of the supply chain and the global economy. Low-income countries have disproportionate numbers of the outdoor workers who often generate the raw materials so crucial to the global supply chain. There is absolutely the potential for upward ripple effects. The paper globally, globally unequal effect on of extreme heat on economic growth was published October 28, 2022 in Science Advances. <laughs> so these are the findings and the study on the uh, carbon emitter that how the developed com- uh, countries are, are being suffered due to heat waves and not uh, and changes in the climate change of course so yep moving on towards next topic I mean, many of you don't really believe in those things, but still, it's an basically inside insides of this of this conspiracy theorist. So, yep, let's see what we get in this argument and conspiracy theories around the world. The conspiracy theorist worldview and language of their argument. Okay, a study now published in inside. In science advances has analyzed the difference between mainstream and conspiracy articles. It found that conspiracies rely on other conspiracies as evidence, jumping around different topics and less currently than mainstream text, but relying on a web of interconnected ideas to connect the dots. As an example, the conspiracy theories surrounding the COVID-19 pandemic are often associated with other conspiracies, including those relating to JFK assassination, Bill Gates and drug companies. They support the idea of a conspiracy worldview that those who are inclined to believe in a particular conspiracy will likely believe in many others and use them as evidence to support their arguments. What's more, while conspiracy theorists encourage open debate about conspiracies such as uh, that Princess Diana's death was either faked or that she was killed by an insider, they tend uh, to refute counter-arguments from mainstream accounts such as that her death was a tragic accident. The research was led by Professor Thomas Hill at the University of Wardwick Department of Psychology and Alexander Minor and Professor Andrew Bangdrew at the University of 
neutral Switzerland. The team analyzed thousands of conspiracies and mainstream web pages using natural language processing, a type of computer analysis of human language. They compared mainstream and conspiracy writing on the same topics. University of Warwick Professor Thomas Hill said, The study is groundbreaking as it is the first look to the language of conspiracy theories in such a large dataset of the thousands of articles and it helps identify that makes a conspiracy theory part of the conspiracy worldview. The implication of this funding speak to to uh, topical events such as the COVID-19 pandemic, vaccine, uptake, and the apparent rise of misinformation. We can see the potential disturbing consequences of a conspiracy worldview on society, such as less people taking up the COVID-19 vaccines. Conspiracy theories are on a spectrum of misinformation and to compact them, we have to understand how they work. Of course, man, of course. So, I mean, uh, uh, I have, uh, I mean, if you are uh, taking about my side, about my input on this article, it's like I believe in some of them, I, I do not believe in some of them, but it always relies on the evidences, on the studies, on the uh, papers, we have uh, we have now with ourselves otherwise it's basically a conspiracy theory which is being uh, regulated by by any uh, group of people so i mean if you have any confusion with them please rely on the evidences on the physical appearances evidences or the paper or rely on the uh, or uh, that uh, have been given to you or or being available in any of the medium in any of the dark web medium or everything so it's basically providing you the information uh, it's basically uh, like a a complex structure in your brain but you have to rely on your theory also i mean if you are an investigating officer, you know that that first you make the theory, then you uh, rely on the evidences which is being constantly providing to you, or and through which you uh, you will able to get or to connect the dots that this is the evidence of mine and this is my theory. So how it's going to uh, uh, prove that the theory and evidence is still same? or it's being very different from our theory so you can constantly change and uh, having a strike in your mind that no this is not the right thing it's uh, it's the right thing and we always rely on the evidence not on the conspiracy theories otherwise it's going to be always about complex structures in your brains and having a headache oh, on and on and on so never mind it uh, by my perspective this is the best possibility which everyone and even the investigator officer is doing this thing in every case uh, whether it's an international case in a, or it's a normal case so all uh, yeah okay moving on towards next topic NASA inside lander detects stunning meteoroid impacts on Mars. Okay, let's see. I mean, it's an uh, astronomical article. Most of the uh, this article is being useful, and for people who are aspirant uh, of astronauts, it's being useful for them. NASA inside lander recorded a magnitude four Mars quake last December 24th, but scientists learned. Only later, the cause of that poke, a meteoroid strike estimated to be one of the biggest seen on Mars since NASA began exploring the cosmos. What's more, the meteoroid excavated boulder-sized chunks of ice buried closer to Martin equator 
they never found before or discovery with implication for NASA future plans to send astronauts to the red planet. Scientists determined the quake resulted from a meteorite impact when they looked at before and after images from NASA Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter MRO and spotted a new yawning crater, offering a red opportunity to see how a large impact shook the ground on Mars. The events and their effects are detailed in two papers published Thursday, October 27 in the journal Science. The meteorite is estimated to have expanded 16 to 39 feet, 5 to 12 meters, small enough that it would be burned up in Earth's atmosphere, but not in Mars' thin atmosphere, which is just 1% as dense as our planet. The impact in our region called Amazonia's Planitia blasted a crater roughly 492 feet. 150 meters across 70 feet, 21 meters deep. Some of the ejectors thrown by the impact flew as far as 23 miles, 37 kilometers away. With images and seismic data documenting the event, this is believed to be one of the largest craters ever witnessed forming many places in the solar system. Many larger craters exist on the red planet, but they are significantly older and predate any Mars mission. It's unprecedented to find a fresh impact of the size, said Ingrid Dauber of Brown University, who leads Inside Impact Science Working Group. It's an inciting moment in geologic history, and we got to witness it. Okay, Insight has seen its power drastically decline in recent months due to dust settling on its solar panels. The spacecraft now is expected to shut down within the next six weeks, bringing the mission science to an end. Insight is studying the planet crush, mantle, and core. Seismic waves are key to the mission and have revealed the size, depth, and composition of Mars inner layers since landing in November 2018. Insight has detected 1,318 Mars quake, including several caused by smaller meteorite impacts, but the quake resulting from large assembled impact was the first observed to have surface waves, a kind of seismic waves that ripples along the top of a planet crust. The second of the two science papers related to the big impact describe how scientists use the waves to study the structure of Mars crust. Crater Hunters In late 2021, inside scientists reported to the rest of team they had detected a major Mars quake on December 24th. The crater was first spotted on February 11th. 2022, by scientists working at Malin Space Science System (MSSS), which built and operates two cameras aboard MRO. The context cameras (CTX) provide black and white medium resolution images, while the Mars colored image (Imager) Mars CI produces daily maps of the entire planet, allowing scientists to track large-scale weather challenges, changes like the recent regional dust storm that further diminished inside solar panel. The impact blast zone was visible in Mars CI data that, has a, that allowed the team to pin down a 24-hour period within uh, which the impact occurred. These observations correlated with the seismic epicenter, consequently really demonstrating that a meteorite impact caused that large December 24th Mars quake. The image of the impact was unlike any I had seen before, with the massive crater, the exposed ice, and the dramatic blast zone preserved in the Martin Dose, said Lilia Pozio. Lower, who leads the orbital science or operation groups at MSSS. I couldn't help but imagine what it must have been like to witness the impact, the atmospheric blast and debris ejected miles downrange. 
Establishing the rate of at which craters appeared on Mars is critical for refining the planet geologic timeline on older surfaces such as those of Mars and our moon. These are more craters than our Earth on our planet. The process of erosion plate tectonics it is older features from the surface. New craters also expo expose materials below the surface. In this case, large chunks of ice scattered by the impact were viewed by MRO's high-resolution image imaging science experiment HI-RISE color camera. Subsurface ice will be a vital resource for astronauts who could use it for a variety of needs, including drinking water, agriculture, and rocket propellant. Buried ice has never been spotted this close to the Martin equator, which, as the warmest part of Mars, is an appealing location for astronauts. So these are the studies, these are the identifying given by on the NASA inside, on the lander studying, on the Mars itself. So, I mean, many of the people are interested in the Mars insights that how it's going to be acclimated or converted into an Earth or the mission by many of the people, mostly uh, on top of that and famous, uh, we only know Elon Musk is one of them. So, I mean, great man, great. Great finding on the Mars planet. So it's in a last article of this project. Sorry, of this podcast. So, and yes, uh, at last I just want to say you guys, keep researching, stay curious, stay healthy.